As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Miami Nice, the Michael Mann confessional podcast about the 2006 movie Miami Vice. I'm, of course, one half of your undercover partnership today, undercover in Hunter S. Thompson style glasses. Uh, the other half of our partnership, the much more reliable one in this partnership, definitely, who's just got enough uh, fighting a security guard and a pair of tangled headphones to talk to you today <laughs> is one legendary Katie Walsh. Katie, say hello. I don't know that I'm more reliable one. We could, we'll, argue who, we'll argue over who is the least reliable, but we come together and we're reliable enough. Yeah. <laughs> We need a Barry Shabaka Henley uh, to we anchor do. this big time. So uh, part of the recruiting process of Miami Vice is really digital stalking, where Katie and I spend <laughs> times on social media outlets, seeing who is talking about Miami Vice 2006 and going, that person would be super fun to speak to. Today, that's no different. We are talking to a writer for a bunch of publications. First and foremost, Digital Fix, writes features over at Slash Film, has bylines at IndieWire, The Film Stage, Movie John, Jump Cut Online, Nerdist, but also purchased our legendary shirt. Theme for <laughs> Mojitos, and we're like, why haven't we had Fiona Underhill on the <laughs> podcast? Fiona, welcome to Miami Nice. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm, I'm honoured to rep the shirt. As soon as I saw that shirt come up, I was like, I have to have it. Yay. Well, well that's that's what we were hoping for, right? So, um, we've, you know, I think Katie and I bought so many of them. I've gifted so many. And uh, I, I've since heard that two of my friends showed up at a party that I wasn't at wearing the shirt that I bought them. <laughs> so they both were fiends for mojitos. And I was so proud. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, we are conquering. Um, so first and foremost, why did you have to have the shirt? <laughs> I mean, it's the line, isn't it? It's as much as I love the movie as a whole, just that line, Fiend for Mojitos, it's just, it's just become like its own thing. It's, it's spread far and wide. It's legend is legendary. <laughs> um, I just... <laughs> Colin Farrell saying I'm a fiend for mojitos in his beautiful Irish slash Miami accent. <laughs> <laughs> it's just unique and I personally, as I'm sure many of us are, 
and the fiend for mojitos so that's it it's just i just love it i love everything about it it's funny i you know i talking about um gifting people the shirt i think I, i gave it to my parents and they listened to the podcast i've made them watch the movie and my dad was like why does it say fiend for mojitos? Like, I don't know if I would put that on there. And I was like, it's a line from the movie, Dad. <laughs> he was it's like, the line. It's the, the line. only line from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's taken on a life of its own beyond, you know, even the movie itself. I think it sort of exists in pop culture as like, you know, just a, a, a way of being, a state of mind. Yeah. <laughs> It's, um, it's just a way a, that people talk to each other. It's a great response to anything. Yes, it is. Yeah. And it's got a great like sort of cadence to it too. Like fiend rhymes with mojito in a way. Yeah, like yeah. there's the, the E sounds. And so, yeah. yeah, whoever wrote that, Michael Mann, great job. <laughs> it, it's and, a- and what what a pickup line as well. The fact that he's using it in that context is just yeah. hilarious to me yeah exactly god tier picked up t- lines in this movie <laughs> absolutely and there's like no one else who can sell them like him he just sells like if they it- were coming out of anyone else's mouth you'd be like this cornball <laughs> <laughs> but it works because it's colin farrell i mean he can sell ice to a polar bear but uh, this <laughs> you know. is this is the I think, I don't know if we've directly talked about it, but this is like where I've come up to it. It's like, there is so much, like imagine like a speedometer. There's so many people who are driving like under a hundred Ks an hour, under 80 miles an hour, who say terrible lines and they suck. But like in the speedometer of hotness, Colin Farrell (laughs) is like so going so fast that he can say anything and you're like, Like yes, everyone exactly. just like whimpers, like, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> and everyone's like, if I said that, you'd think I was a tool. And you're like, yeah, you would be a tool because you're not as good looking as Colin Farrell. It's just as simple as that. He's mind meltingly hot. So there we go. The um, fact that it's it's teed up earlier as well when he flirts with the bartender over the mojitos as well. That's what I love about it. It's like it's already been teased that he uses mojitos to flirt. Yes. And then, and then it's like a callback. I just I love it. And I love that he just he has to tell the bartender like lemon or lime. Yep. Lime. Yep. Cool. Let's do it. She, she brings it all together. Um, and I, I love that. Did you get your tan in Miami line? That's my favorite <laughs> another That's- like really corny pickup line that sometimes somehow works. Or even what are some of the other ones like Hola Chica? Is Hola kind of- Chica, is so good. <laughs> we, we're definitely talking about that later because <laughs> Jesus Christ, that line. <laughs> so- I know it's like I think all of this stuff was kind of what made me sort of chuckle at Miami Vice at first, but now it just I just love it so much. We we recently did a like a little. Uh, screening of our Miami Nice Cut, Fiona, with with our Patreon uh, crew. And this was our, I think, our horniest viewing, would you say, Katie, where, like, everyone had this, <laughs> it was. like, it haze. It was, it was Yeah. <laughs> this haze of, like, is everyone in this movie hot? Like, look at that guy in the background. He's hot. Here, she's hot. And, like, look at this. Is every, wait, is Archangel de Jesus Montoya hot? Yes, he's hot. Okay, cool. Like, let's just, let's just keep it rolling, keep it moving. Um, so yeah, I think that this whole movie, the hotness quotient is just off the scale. Um, 
both dirtbag hot and like actual hot. So dirtbag hot, very important for Katie. She's, um, <laughs> she's, she's, she's the president of like the movie Dirtbag Hotness Association. Yeah. Um, so I think you guys need an Oscars, Katie. We might need yes. to talk about oh this my on God. the show where you get to select the movie Dirtbag of the, the Year. The hottest dirtbags of the year. I will be <laughs> consulting a, a panel of experts to uh, contribute. Um, <laughs> Count me in. Count me in. Yes, Fiona, you are on the committee. <laughs> so, Fiona, was it, you know, obviously you're a working professional in this crazy industry. And so how how did Miami Vice come to you? Was it something you, like, saw in the theaters and then were, were riding the wave of it? Is it something you've caught up on and... People can tell by your accent that you haven't got an American accent and people are used to talking on this show to hearing my Aussie accent. So where are you from? So I'm from England, which you can probably tell. I'm from the Midlands in England, quite close to where Shakespeare is from. Um, but I've lived in LA for over six years now. So um, yeah, I'm based in LA and I have to admit my relationship with Miami Vice. I would love to say that I've been on board from day one and be like, oh yeah, I always knew it was great and all oh, you haters are so stupid. But I have to confess that I am a latecomer to Miami Vice. That's like, so I was, uh, so I was in my, It's okay. No, very, very safe, very safe space. Even as, <laughs> uh, uh, even our most recent episode, like, I think Jason Fitzroy Jeffers, who's a terrific filmmaker and a festival runner, said it landed like a wet fart. And I said, <laughs> I thought that's a pretty apt description of the critical <laughs> consensus at the time. It, re it really did. So I was in my mid-20s when it came out. And I, I honestly had no desire to watch it whatsoever. It was like, it's based on this cheesy 80s TV show. It's got Car Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx. And... It had like a bad reputation at the time. Like we'd heard the stories, the stories of making it. Yes. It, it kind of had been signaled as it's going to be a complete disaster before it came out. And so I was just like, you know, there's no way I'm going to watch that. I just had it kind of signaled like it was it's a disaster. It's a turkey kind of thing and was written off at the time. And so I didn't have too much interest, but I, I have to admit that it was film film Twitter that got me to look at it again. So I first watched it, I think, five years ago. Um, and I do, I mean, I love Michael Mann, so I don't really know why I thought, oh, you know, that one will be, will be bad when I love like pretty much all his other movies. Um, but yeah, so I watched my own revise about five years ago because people had started talking about it on, on film Twitter and some friends of mine DMs and stuff said, oh yeah, it's like one of my favorite movies. And yeah, I watched it and I was like, I, okay. I mean, seeing it in the context of like Collateral, which only obviously came out like two years before or whatever. Yes. Um, is like, it makes so much sense and it works so well. It's like a double bill with that. Yes. And so why, why Collateral has like such an amazing reputation and why Miami Vice had such a bad one for so long and maybe in the wider kind of popular culture still does if you're not like in niche film Twitter. Um, so yeah, I don't know why it kind of was written off so badly, but I'm glad that there's a hardcore group of us now who kind of like really, really embraced it and love it and see it for the masterpiece that it is. I think that's a really interesting point that you're yeah. making that like, 
Collateral is really heralded as like a new classic. Yeah. And Miami Vice, you know, we're still, we've been doing this for almost three years and we're yeah. still like trying to defend <laughs> it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and obviously it's in, in, in our circle of people that we talk to, it's like, I almost feel like the tide's going to turn at some point where people are going to be like, stop talking about Miami Vice. But like, <laughs> um, you know, in our circle, like people have really embraced it, but it is really interesting. You know, obviously Jamie Foxx was nominated for an Oscar for Collateral and like, it was critically acclaimed and and then Miami Vice was such a a bomb a turkey and I don't know if that's because maybe people thought like Jamie Foxx was like you know it was post his Oscar win and like you know what what was going on you know he's got too big or you know yeah. he needed to be taken down a peg or like all the scandal that was sort of swirling around Colin Farrell in certain moments in his career you know I, yeah. I also think like the remake aspect of it kind of mm. You know, like if it I think been... it, I think it was way ahead of its time because yeah, like now, exactly. now an eighties remake like obviously is kind of all the rage and legacy sequels and reboots and all of that. Right. And I feel I feel like it was just way ahead of its time. It just came out at the wrong time, basically, because eighties yeah. like was not cool. At it, it during the mid two thousands, the eighties were not cool. Whereas like they obviously are seen as you know cool now. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. I mean, it's like why did it get tarnished and then I think because its reputation was bad then people like critically derided it but um yeah it's almost like the branding of it like if it was yeah. called something else like maybe people would have thought of it differently definitely yeah I don't it's, know I think it's, it's a really think about it is interesting but I think Fiona's pointed out something that probably is really contextually right on is that you know we grew up at that, like we were all probably around the same age at that time, you know, mid twenties, twenties at that time you see a movie. And in the early two thousands, that was still peak of, you could be totally swayed by the story of a movie and its yes. production yeah. and audiences could totally be swayed. Like, I feel like now this is why we get shocked, Katie, but I think increasingly it's like that weird thing of you go to Spotify, any single, any music, that is available from the entire history of world music is available <laughs> every year. It doesn't, you don't, you weren't going down to a record shop in the UK or in Australia or in LA and going and buying a vinyl or picking up a CD or whatever, or having to like, if you were like really front of the line with iPods and, you know, Apple equipment, like buying the MP3s on iTunes as they come out, listen to the whole album, you know, consume it as you would. People get stuff out of context. And at that time, even in Oz, we'd heard that it was a disaster. It had been reported on. And I think people had like collectively heard this movie is going to suck. And it had yeah. been happening since the seventies. Like my favorite, one of my favorite films of all time is Apocalypse Now, a legendary troubled production. And they'd written that movie off for three years. Like the public, the collective <laughs> weight of publicity that that movie was going to be garbage, just hit and hit and hit and hit and hit. And then it goes to can and wins the palm door and people are like oh okay i guess it like wasn't awful 
you know but, but people it still didn't turn and um titanic was another big one as well like yeah. the titanic was supposed to be a disaster before it yeah. came out yeah um i mean that one is just unbelievable really because it's hard to for people to even understand that because it obviously became the biggest thing in the world but even that like the production you know they had so much trouble with it it was all costing way too much and it was the yeah. first movie that had a 200 million dollar budget the first ever and so I, I i even remember that as a young kid like they were reporting on it or was written about in like empire magazine the budget is like 200 million people are freaking out and then it makes like a billion dollars and everyone's like okay cool shut up i guess you know um i i, bet- I feel like that phrase like don't bet against james cameron yeah. like that's been his mantra since, <laughs> since terminator <Definitely>. yeah like, <laughs> yeah since piranha 3. <laughs> yeah don't bet don't bet against Karen. but yeah it's really interesting how the tide has turned and then i think yeah. as you said when these things come now increasingly out of time like without the context of all of the storm of crap that's around them and i guess that sort of feeds into the one of the things that annoys katie and i consistently is these seo articles that rewrite kim master's story about trouble on the set of miami vice and you're like yeah cool that was like 13 years ago get over it you know like find some new details and there's a podcast (laughs) called miami nice that has them but it's 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 um but it's it's that whole thing where now when you don't have any of that baggage Mm -hmm. and you're so accustomed to a certain quality of film with a certain level of budget with a certain level of stars with a certain level of ambition then you can pop in this as you said, even in a double bill with collateral, you're like, oh, cool. Oh, I haven't seen some modern man. I'm going to just watch this. And you're like, oh, this movie rips. Like it's in the same family. It's in the same wheelhouse. It's, it's, it's a, it's a bigger stretch. And yeah, I, I think, I think totally the other works. thing people really didn't get as, at the time as well is like di- the digital um, cinematography, like the yes. digital cameras were so new at the time as well as the sort of technology. And people, again, were kind of reacting against that of like, we don't really trust this new thing. Therefore, we're going to say it looks bad, even though now, like you say, it looks, if you watch it now, it, it the the visual quality of it just looks insanely good compared to what we're what we're fed now yes. compare it to like a blemming net netflix movie <laughs> um the gray and, man and you watch it like oh, compared to you what said, the, what you said the three banned now. words on this podcast katie we i know <laughs> that's how i trigger blake <laughs> but it's so funny that people at the time were like oh it's this digital thing we don't really trust it you know therefore we're just gonna kind of say it looks bad even though like oh i just think people that still it looks say it looks bad i like i don't i, I can't i don't I can't know wrap my head what around, their wrap eyes my head are I, i'm like i don't i'm like how how what the how two shots looking at the same thing the two shots you're like wait a second a movie looks bad where this speedboat is streaming through the ocean like a bullet or as jordan harper coined a sea penis um <laughs> flying through the ocean and the blue is like a blue, an ocean blue I don't think I've ever seen before. And then like just after or around that, you get that A500 jet where they take off from the gorgeous jungle and then they're flying yeah. through these amazing cloud banks that look like mountains in the sky. And it's like cutting in this very impressionistic way, kind of breaking rules about how it's cutting to different angles of the plane navigating through the sky. And I'm like, those, even just those two tiny sequences in this movie are so gorgeously shot and like the nightclub right at the beginning of yeah. course you know we 
have raved about it, but I'm just like, you can't tell me this movie looks ugly. It has a quality. It's got a grain because yes. that's what Michael Mann is emphasizing in, in digital yeah. tools. He's 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 saying, I don't care about the grain because I want your depth of field to be bigger. But yeah. but I can't. That shot. I look at that shot every time we watch this movie, Katie. And how many times have we watched this damn thing now? Like so many times. <laughs> and and I just go, look at that shot. Like that is like magical. And yeah, mm. we do not get. I got excited last year watching Prey, which yeah. is a terrific movie. I actually saw it in the cinema, mm-hmm. the, the in the Predator series, when the lead character was walking through a gorge and it was a real thing. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's a real mountain. They took her to a real place so she could walk there. And I was like, how? How isolating in and how like how how low are our expectations in contemporary yeah. cinema that the, like the, the bar is on the floor, let's yeah. be honest. The yeah. bar is on the floor. I mean, I <laughs> felt that way watching Plane with Gerard Butler. I was like, they're on location. I, I loved Plane. I loved, <laughs> I loved <it>. Plane too. <laughs> but yeah, the like, locations, you're yeah. absolutely right. Look really yeah, it makes so much difference. Yeah. The- it really does. You know, the shot that always makes me think this that Miami Vice is a beautiful movie. And Fiona, I want to know what yours is too. Like if you have a moment in the movie where you're just like, this is this movie looks so good. It's when Colin is on the roof yeah. and the sky is like oh. purple yeah. and crazy behind him and like you're just like, whoa, you're taken aback by um, how crazy the sky looks. And they're just having some conversation about, you know, he's talking to Fujima or something. But um, it, it's like, I, I just crave so much like place and texture and setting and um, just atmosphere and mood so much more than I crave plot. And I feel like yeah, American same. cinema, Hollywood is obsessed with plot. It's like this Marvel Easter egg. And, and, pl- and plot holes. Like, and plot you know, holes. There can't, there can't be a plot hole. Right. Whatever. And, <laughs> and I'm like, no, give me vibes. Give me atmosphere. Yeah. Give me mood. Give me eroticism. Give me, you know, whatever thing like it that just makes it real. So part of that is you know that that purpley crazy sky you're just like where are we like oh (laughs) you're situating me in a place and in a frame of mind katie you've just inspired me maybe it's because of fiona's english heritage but i think you need to write the trains the end of train spotting speech that's like choose vibes (laughs) choose eroticism We need like we like I, I I'm gonna actually write that for you and you're performing it on like in a future episode. Okay, yeah. Choose Colin Farrell looking like a dirtbag. Yes, <laughs> choose Colin Farrell's mustache. Oh my god, we might have to send it to Fiona as well to get just to get the British. We accent. need the accent. Yes, <laughs> choose yeah. vibes. Choose Your fucking plot is... holes. Yes. <laughs> yes, choose plot holes. Um. Uh, anyway, Fiona, do you have a moment that that strikes you as as evoking beauty or vibes or atmosphere that you can't resist in Miami Vice? So the two moments, I mean, I'm not going to be super original here, but the two moments that I've just, I rewatched it last night, of course, to prepare, but then I kept rewatching and kept rewatching the opening and the ending. So yes. I know you've probably discussed the opening like three million times, but it's, it's, it's the opening. Obviously it's the cold open. It's just, absolutely sucks you in straight away but i also really really love you mentioning like rooftop scenes where he goes 
goes out and then he's talking to Alonso on the phone and we've just had um Justin through uh tampering with the like little video monitor thing and he does that on a roof and there's this like amazing kind of scene behind him and then yeah. you get Colin Farrell go out onto the roof and he's just having this talk with Alonso but like the skyline behind him it just like is so so stunning Yes. And, and the other one is the end, which I just, I can't tell you how many times I've rewatched that ending in the last, like, last night and this morning, just over and over again. I can barely talk about it without welling up because I just find that ending so heart wrenching. But just that shot through the door where it's in the room and it's just like there's a messy kind of a May bed, but you get the shot to the palm tree in the wind just through the door. In oh the, my god it just in oh. the in the safe house in the florida keys as they're sitting yes. outside looking down there oh like yeah it's south of miami we have found out fiona that's actually a drug safe house that's really? actually yes and then michael well, Mann's my, this was part of the issue on set i think is that michael Mann was going for realism wasn't he and he yeah. kind of got certain people involved in the film i think that made things slightly dangerous but yeah i i love it but it's it's the fact that it's real obviously adds so much because it is real locations it's real you know we we as an audience can pick that up and we can tell it's real we can tell it's authentic um but and also the end part of the ending where he closes in on colin farrell and gong lee's like intertwined oh. hands and arms and then it's intercut with jamie fox and naomi harris in the hospital and her hand starts twitching in his hand and the fact that he intercuts those two things the romance i could talk for you know several hours about michael Mann's <laughs> romance just at, oh my god his his sense of romance is just you know so so strong and and he's he's just knows how to took those heartstrings he really does i don't think anyone's mentioned that that intercutting of the hands um on our on our podcast i I love that you brought that up because i think it also does speak to yeah his sense of romance but his sense of romance is so it's not it's so grounded in in connection and partnership and um uh it's not about just sex or excitement it's about like these really beautiful small moments that you might have with a partner and like how moving it is when Tubbs realizes that Trudy is coming back and and it's the fact that Gong Lee and Colin Farrell are about to be separated and then Naomi Harris is coming back to Jamie Foxx I just yeah I'm like feeling so moved thinking about it I hadn't really thought about it in that way before like it's like one couple coming together as another is coming apart and like yeah that's that's so intense and yeah, it's all communicated visually it's no yes. lines it's no and the music i mean yeah. sorry i'm segueing slightly here but the music just that, the music that, in in the opening and then the, the final scene that, that end theme that dun dun, oh. dun, 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 dun. <laughs> i've listened to that track dun, just dun. like yeah. pretty much on a loop yeah. for the last couple of days it's the and also it's like it's like living and dying because their relationship is dying and one relationship is being brought back to life. And it's like, everything is right in the world because their relationship's ending and that's a beginning, like the twitch in her hand that she's alive. But that Gong Lee shot, like this is the one, if there's one regret that I have doing this show is that we watch Miami Vice so much and I just, I am yearning for her face on the biggest screen 
when she does that turn, when she's looking at Sonny and you can like see in, you see in the deep, deep background behind the boat, you see his hair blowing in the breeze. You see that little shack and you see the palm trees as you're talking about that little bridge and it's blowing. And then she does that turn right back to camera and she's looking and we get her face and the tears going down her eyes as the boat's going away. I'm just like, forget it. I'm an absolute <laughs> mess. And um- we were- and, and Farrell's acting while he's watching her go away. It's like the, the Banshees of Irishman, his heartbreak, you know, the eyebrows. <laughs> the eyebrows. Says, I, I, I can just see, I mean, he's not overacting at all in Miami Vice. That's what, like, it's a totally different performance. But um, just him watching her disappear and just the tiniest, he just does like a few blinks and then he just puts his hand up to his face and it's all just tiny, tiny little things he does. But you can actually see his heart breaking. You can just see the devastation. <laughs> oh. We've got to get the Ralph meme. Look, if you slow it down, you can just see exactly where his heart <laughs> The <is>. very second. <laughs> uh, but no, you're, you're so right. I, that the ending is so good like i think a lot of people are like oh the shootout with the aryan brotherhood and you know people are firing guns i'm like no 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 the ending is that intercutting that you're talking about and the way that the perfect orchestration in the music to that yeah it's just like that's that's what it is that's the perfect way to go and the way man uses music just perfectly throughout because the opening is so good because we get num encore just like absolutely launch into it from the very first second then he cuts so perfectly into cinnamon as he goes to the bar and starts flirting yes. with the bartender and just the the way he uses the soundtrack the way he cuts it so absolutely to the very microsecond just perfectly but then he and the way he uses such different kinds of music said so the audio slave tracks that he uses and then to use that Mogwai track at the end, I just think, you know, the way he uses music and he perfectly calibrates the exact right track to the moment. And there's a, like the three tracks that are in the nightclub, and I, I think it might be four, mm-hmm. but the three tracks are, <laughs> I got a funny story. I just remembered this is the first time I've told this. So it goes Nam Encore, Cinnamon, and then there's a really great like electronic band called Goldfrap, and it's oh, Goldfrap. Yeah, Goldfrap Stri- Gold Frap does Strict Machine, and I used to be mates. Um, I, I I used to be mates with a couple of girls that I work with, and they lived near me, and we we commute together to work, <clears throat> and it was a gay couple. And I, I go, oh, can I play something on my iPod? And on my iPod, I had Num Encore that went into Cinnamon that went into Goldfrap. And when they heard Goldfrap, they're like, are you a lesbian? And I'm like, <laughs> I, go, I go, no, but I love Goldfrap. And they're like, how do you even know Goldfrap? I'm like, well, Miami Vice. That's, yeah. how I know, that's how I know it. It's my favorite. But no, I love that, like, the 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 rhythmic beats and the high RPM of the or the RPM shifts in those, even in those three tracks in that first yeah. moments, all... Yeah all mirror the RPM that he wants your heart to have in every scene, every moment of that scene. It's just yeah. totally right. Cause and if you, if you think cool. about how, how, how overused has cinema been though in, in yeah. movies, like, yes. you know, it's overused to the point of losing all of its power, but the fact that it's a remix and it's used in that context, I think really makes it refreshing. Yes. It, Cause I think, you know, the Thomas Crown, the Thomas Crown affair remake had, murdered cinnamon for many years <laughs> it just was like we did it guys the whole mm. crescendo of this movie you know name is simone cinnamon you got to stop using it 
I want to know what assistant put together, like found these songs for him. Was it so Justin? <laughs> because uh, maybe like, it was our friend Justin Lieberman. Maybe it because was. Uh, I think Justin put him on to that root song that is used in um, Collateral. Yeah. Yeah. So like he does have he like uses his assistants to be like put together a playlist or like you know I'm like what assistant found him gold frap? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, and sorry the other the fourth one is Blacklight is the song's Blacklight Fantasy by Freaky Chakra. So it's the, those <laughs> those four nightclub tracks are so yeah. fire and you're like that's a great mix. Right. Mm. What DJs today? Why can't you do this? You know why can't you have that kind of mix? <laughs> yeah. What exactly. is stopping you what is from stopping playing <laughs> the entire Miami Vice soundtrack? I, I am gonna. I have a couple of friends who are DJs. I'm literally gonna go. Literally, listen. If you don't play these four songs back to back in your next set, we can't be friends anymore. Yeah, like, this is. A, yeah, you yeah, must put them. Must bring it back. Now let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
when we're when we're always talking about this movie, obviously Katie and I take it into the silliness and the romance and the horniness of this movie. But are there guilty pleasure moments of this movie that you just love that maybe you shouldn't? Because that's I think in the confessional nature of this show, we have our favorite moments. One of Katie and I's is the leg maneuver that Gong Lee and Colin Farrell orchestrate. We talk about it regularly. We're just like, there's some real realistic leg maneuvering in this movie in a sex scene. <laughs> Uh, do you have any yeah. guilty pleasure moments that uh, that you're fond of, Fiona? Because uh, this is this is the safe place for you to share them. Okay, uh, Naomi Harris going into the shower with Jamie Foxx. That's yeah. a, I like that moment. That's good, and I think because it's it's easy to focus, obviously, on Colin Farrell and Gong Lee. I like the fact that uh, Man does put in like a sex scene for Jamie Foxx and Naomi Harris, and that we see. You know, I like what we see of their relationship. Um, I, I haven't seen the extended edition, but apparently there's more Naomi Harris in that, which well, I, I want to see. I'm just telling you right now, we're going to do this. We're doing it live is check your DMs. Cause I'm putting the Miami nice cut in our DMs. Okay. So for you, so to we have, uh, because we've talked about this so much on the podcast, we ended up having one of Blake's friends, Vashi Nedomansky, like, edit together our perfect cut of Miami Vice, which oh, is wow. the theatrical opening. Yes, yeah, obviously say, we love. Don't, me don't mess with the opening. I we don't. don't it, the, the, the director's cut opens with a 10 minute long boat race that is yeah, like I'm, I'm beautifully not, I'm not shot, but it's a <laughs> snooze fest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and then, but then there are some really key scenes um, where Naomi Harris and uh, Jamie Foxx are, you know, talking about the relationship and the encroaching danger of um, uh, Archangel de Jesus de Montoya. I think I said his name totally <laughs> wrong there. <laughs> but um, he, you know, he sends her flowers uh, as like sort of, a, it's like a threat salutations from your friends in Miami. And then um, they have like this whole conversation in a coffee shop and like, I just really think that like the adding in those scenes of their relationship like just makes the emotional stakes that much higher for yeah. Tubbs. Um and it it really wrenches at your heart as well yeah. because like you know how like what a strong relationship they have and also that while Sunny is off disappearing for three days in Cuba and showing up in his sweaty shirt, <laughs> uh and his and Tubbs being like, Where the hell have you been? Like <laughs> It's not just you know the 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 job. It's not just the um, the thing they're trying to pull off that's super dangerous. It's also that his partner is in danger, his like life partner. Mm. So um, yeah, we yeah, it's it's a it's a good little cut. And then there's some stuff at the end that Blake is better at describing because I always get confused. It's like the there's, score and songs and the, stuff. <laughs> the score and the song choices in the director's cut. It has it integrates the Mogwai like um in the air tonight in the final battle scene and i just yeah, always I wasn't the biggest, i wasn't the biggest fan of that so we basically blend in effortlessly back into the theatrical cut like as the movie is climaxing so that it like maintains that integrity and then has the mogwai song playing under the credits so but the the integration of those two it just gives you a couple of extra scenes it's like one or two extra scenes with like nicolas at the end when he's like pitching to jose Giro. there's a couple of like little other like extension moments of um uh, uh of sunny and isabella in cuba so like you know there yeah. it's not just it's not like one night it's like a a night and a whole day of them just enjoying each other and and all this sort of mm -hmm. stuff so you kind of like it's 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 
the superior cut. It's it's if we have to say so <laughs> ourselves, it's the superior cut. So I'm sending you that it so you can check good. it out. You can I check feel like out. I've watched the Miami Nice cut more than any other yeah. <laughs> version. So now I'm like, wait, that's not in the theatrical. Yeah, what's <laughs> like, it I'm like? like and, confused about what's what now because I think I've seen the Miami Nice cut more often than anything else. Well, Fiona's now US based, of course, but because she's UK originally, like, and I'm Australia, like the Australians still, you could go to a local like physical media, like a big hi-fi we've got a big retailer called jb hi-fi and like for the longest time you couldn't get the director's definitive edition in store you had to just get the theatrical cut and for the longest time on like our itunes and different streaming services it was always a theatrical it was never the director's definitive edition whereas in the states as soon as they brought out the director's definitive edition it kind of like squashed the idea of like like the theatrical cut so there was always this thing and so yeah like that it's still it's still theatrical on hbo max because yeah, that's yeah. what I was watching last night. Yeah, so they've, I don't know, it's sw it's swinging back. Maybe it's all the numb encore genius talk online. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think all the all the digital editions, at least that I've been able to get, are are the theatrical cut, but the Blu-ray is the director's cut. I could yeah. only get the director's cut on Blu-ray, so. We'll have to buy, I'll have to right. buy you the Australian Blu-ray, Katie, we'll sort that out. That's okay, another, good, thank that's you. A, that's <laughs> Just for the collection, you know. Anyway, I have I have more. Uh, oh, please, please. Yes, guilty, please. Guilty pleasures, Tell course. us more. Um, Tell us everything. So that... Colin Farrell's whole deal. I think <laughs> we just need to go into a bit more detail about that because just everything Colin yeah. Farrell. Colin Farrell's whole deal. I love that because if like if anyone is entirely kind of. Um, tuned in to Miami Vice and like the only person I feel like who's really related in any way to the 80s vibe is Colin Farrell so yeah. his suit his hair that handlebar mustache what the fuck was he doing um he just, was making I me feel, very happy yeah so <laughs> I feel like his his entire deal is a guilty pleasure because just everything about him he's just like greasy and kind of scuzzy and I feel like the grain in in the in the camera work just completely <laughs> vibes with Colin Farrell's whole deal um and yeah he is just and and because Jamie Foxx looks too good I, so I want to talk about costuming a little bit yeah so Jamie Foxx is in Oswald Boateng suits right and he looks amazing he's like really impeccably kind of you know his suits have got this um gorgeous texture to them they fit really well and then <laughs> Colin Farrell is just in his like kind of loose fitting 80s you know that pale cream suit that he wears and and also just wearing like vests or you know underneath suits as well he's just he's just scuzzy personified but yeah everything he does with Gongli the legs <laughs> the car scene the car seat yes hola just, chica oh, oh hola chica just, yes I, you know just sends me to the room <laughs> the, and the, the few seconds where she gets in and they there's just like a few seconds where they kind of don't look at each other and then they put up the visor thing and then they're just all over each other and she's wearing the like kind of tightest fitting skirt possible which needs to get hiked up when she sits on him oh, and then it ends with Ola Chica. <laughs> Brianna, 
al otro. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, no. It, I, we I don't have it. We don't have a camera on the driver because the driver must have been hearing some pretty interesting <laughs> stuff. How good is that partition? That's what we <laughs> want to know. Like, is it soundproof? <clears throat> He's being paid not to listen. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure worse things have happened in the back of that car. Yeah. Um, yeah. True. No, I love. Uh, yeah, I love that. Like to call. Like, we've said this before. Like because you know we've heard that Colin claims to not remember shooting this movie or you know he was in the depths yeah. of his he, addiction he at the time it a bit, doesn't he? but it's it's kind of a perfect performance because we've said this like colin's not there like he's so yeah. channeling this character and it, it, i like that you talk about like sort of the physicality of it like the costuming like he's so like he's part of the texture, his sweaty shirts and his like, you know, he his greasy hair, like his his texture is like he's completely like, you know, of a piece with the rest of this world and and the rest of this film and channeling this character in a way that I don't think anyone else is really coming close to. <laughs> well, it's it's... Uh, it's it's really interesting to me. Sorry that he um, Jamie Fox brought Miami Vice to Michael Mann and like suggested to him that they do it. But then Jamie Fox seems more checked out than Colin Farrell, kind of like in terms of performance and and from if it's true the story's unset of him starting to be a bit diva-ish and stuff um it's just interesting to me that i think colin farrell absolutely just slots into that film like a hundred percent and just is you know it, it he is absolutely of a piece with everything else going on in the movie whereas jamie fox is just a little bit too polished a bit too clean cut a bit too you know he's just his vibe is just slightly not the same yeah he's a little bit removed or like colder yeah he he feels like he's above it right like i mean i think he comes out Mm. of having an oscar he wants to be the lead and he wants to be the focus and michael mann's kind of uncompromising about how the story is being weaved together and and you know the things that we've learned doing this podcast and researching and talking to people who are around the film it's just like that colin farrell at that time this you know it's it's as kind of tragic as you might find it or as as uncomfortable as you might find it like he was and kind of still is in the world like the coolest man alive and he came he swaggered into that movie and effortlessly was the coolest man alive and jamie fox had always had a reputation for being cool and he was really feeling himself but like he just was paling against it so there was an instant competition like oh my god this guy's going to steal the movie right out from under me and so he feels like a little bit detached he feels like he's trying to elevate himself above but by doing that he's actually he's he's guaranteeing a loss because colin farrell just is above he, him 
because Jamie Foxx, uh, who I really like, by the way, and has been a love lot him. better in other movies. We love Jamie, movies. yeah, yeah. Love yeah, him. like inclu- including Collateral. Obsessed like, he, with know, him in Collateral, yeah. Yeah, it's so his good. His performance in that is incredible, but he does become blander in Miami Vice, as in contrast to Colin Farrell. You're right. Yeah. He just, it's just the vibes are different, and Colin Farrell's vibe is the right one for the movie, in yes. my opinion. It's like you can't have two coolest guy alive on one movie set and both Jamie and Colin are the coolest guy alive. And like, yeah, it's going to be they they butted heads. I mean, they were we've heard that they were like totally in competition. Like Jamie buys a Lamborghini. Colin buys a Lamborghini. Like Jamie's at this club. Colin's at this club. They were like trying to out cool each other. Colin's Colin's in a VIP section in the club. Jamie buys the vip section in that club for like a month or whatever it's just like right. there's just this like oh my tete god tete. it's yeah. proper towering inferno as well yes. with like the you know who gets the the highest credit as well yeah yeah i or, wonder what their relationship is like now i love... like do they run into each other they must have done they must they have, have run into each other I, at like I, award shows and stuff yeah I, yeah I, I would love to see them talk but i you know what I love? I love watching the PR tour. That's a YouTube rabbit hole I go down a lot. Like if I'm just <laughs> sitting on the couch and my kids are watching Bluey or some TV show that I've seen 5 million times, probably not Bluey, I actually end up watching it myself, but just some of the other trash that they end up watching as little kids. Um, I love li- watching their interviews. Hey, would you guys want to do another one of these? Like you're really happy, poppy, and they're like, they look at each other. Yeah, for sure. We really enjoy working with each other. And you're like, it's, they can't even mask the fact that they don't want to be in each other's presence any more than they than just that tiny bit of cordiality in one of those sessions. It's so fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's really fascinating. But yeah, two coolest. You're so right. Two coolest guy on the planet. Someone's gonna someone's gonna realize that they're actually not the coolest guy on the planet. And I think Jamie lost this round. He, he really and he did. Was, he was salty about it. <laughs> um, the the other thing I want you to get back to, like the scuzziness, is I don't know if you do this. Maybe we all should. Is you just go back if you've got an iPhone or a Google Photos, and I just went back to like 2010, um, where pre kids, my wife and I were going out a lot, etc. And I was looking at me, and I was like. I have the texture of Colin Farrell in that movie, in that movie, right? Like I'm just like, and we do collectively. It's like sweaty nightclubs, like half closed <laughs> eyes. You look like scuzzy. The photos are shit quality because it's like iPhones of ten years or do thirteen years ago now. And you're like, yeah, we all kind of like the mid twenties clubbing scene. If you were in that in your mid twenties we all look like that and like that was the texture and colin farrell like embraced it and actually made the scuzziness cool and i think probably enabled a whole bunch of people to look scuzzy and think they look like colin farrell but were drastically uh notified otherwise my unfortunate confession is that the person i most strongly identify with in miami vice in terms of like mid 2000s kind of fashion is justin (laughs) through um purple shirt Yes. I had almost identical shirt to that. It's <laughs> purple sheen. And like um, Jamie Foxx, he's much more in that two- mid 2000s vibe of wearing yeah. of like purple, maroon, kind of dark reds and browns. Um, and Justin Theroux, who I love, is just in the background, kind of not talking throughout the entire film. <laughs> he has, um, I think, one line. <laughs> yeah, it's two, so funny. maybe. But he, he just. 
Justin Theroux with his hair and his shirt just embodies that mid two thousands look, yes. and that's and that's the one I most strongly identify. It's like, yeah, I looked pretty much exactly like that in the mid two thousands. Yeah, I think I've I've gone down some rabbit holes of like the premiere of Miami Vice and like Gong Li is wearing those like um like low rider jeans with like that are flares oh, with like a big mid two thousands premieres where everyone turned up in jeans. Like, I know, and I'm like I was wearing, wearing I like I was wearing those chunky belts and the like flare jeans <laughs> and like a, yeah. a going out top. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I know. I love looking at mid two thousands careers. People were like just showing up in like a cardigan. <laughs> That's the worst. Oh my yeah. god. So um, funny. Yeah. So uh, definitely identify with those fashion choices <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I, I do. I mean, unless you want to talk about a couple more moments, but I, I was thinking about. You know, one thing we did not have in 2006 was film Twitter, where, yeah. I mean, I guess there were message boards and stuff, but like where people could yeah. rehabilitate or like find yeah. something and love it. Because I feel like that is happening a lot, especially with like younger kids on film Twitter, where they're saying, no, I love this yeah. Den of Thieves movie yeah. or, you know, whatever it is like. Um, they 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 will find each other and talk about it and they talk about it so much that it becomes rehabilitated. It's like Miami Vice didn't stand a chance because there was this mainstream, you know, narrative and uh, that we didn't have a chance to cohere around it and talk to yeah. each other about it. Definitely. That's why, you know, I'm happy we've got it now and that we have all kind of uh, well, within our small community, we've all kind of collectively embraced it. Um, but yeah, definitely. Because uh, I, I mean, I wasn't on message boards or anything. People talk about this in 2000. I don't know what I was doing, but I wasn't on IMD message boards. So I, I didn't do any of that. No, I, just I didn't do that. I was very, very tuned in with the internet until later. Um, well, yeah, you just had I definitely mates. didn't have a community. You had, yeah, you had your film, I you had, had real your, life mates. Yeah, you had mates, like film, <laughs> film nerd mates, and, I, and I'd be like, advocating for Miami Vice and they're like really <laughs> look at his moustache I'm like don't don't worry about the moustache don't, don't question it don't question it just go see the damn movie it freaking rules yeah at that point you could only you only had a reach of like three people as opposed yeah. to like people on Twitter <laughs> yeah. and, five, like... and five followers and five followers <laughs> and they were just my mates yeah. um yeah, no, it's just, it's so interesting to just think about like the the technological reasons, the things that we didn't have and, and the way that, that it sort of shaped what's, you know, what our what our understanding of the film was. But um, yeah, so I, I like thinking about that. I think it's like really interesting to, to take into, you know, into understanding, you know, all this context and all the context of the star personas of these guys and... Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's really interesting with Colin Farrell, especially, I think, like, because obviously he's now like a beloved Academy Award nominated Colin Farrell. But it's like, if you weren't there, man, if you weren't there in like the early 2000s, like you've just got no concept of like his trajectory, like just, you know, it the collective two, two thinking. Mo two, two moves. He made two moves to Spielberg. Two two moves to like the biggest director alive across from tom cruise where he goes toe to toe with tom cruise in minority report and you're like oh my god this guy's a mate who the hell is this guy 
and within a few years he's a household name like that was unheard of it just yeah. was unheard of it was like <clears throat> the last time that it had been close to happening was kind of russell crowe russell crowe went like two yeah. moves to household name and it was just like boom boom and you know we've in Australia and the UK, we've had those sort of some some flash in the pan actors, and I won't and, and I don't say this to slight, but it's like you got someone like Eric Banner who does Chopper, and then he goes and does Ang Lee's Hulk, which was ultimately a bomb, and then he does Spielberg's Munich, which has endured, um, I think collectively yeah. with a lot of reappraisal because Spielberg yeah. is constantly in the conversation. But he kind of then went back to sort of like lower tier movies. It, it was like the only other actor that I can think of that had a similar trajectory as Colin Farrell a little bit earlier was like Russell Crowe. Like he does Romper Stomper, mm. then he does LA Confidential and he's the biggest movie star in the world. And then he like yeah. does The Insider and then, you know, Master and Commander and, and Gladiator and, and The Beautiful Mind. And like there's that period where he just goes like for seven or eight years, he's the biggest movie star in the world. And Colin Farrell did that and then he went down again. And then it seems like after his sobriety, he comes back with in Bruges and then he's got a whole new lease on life and a whole new lease on his career and has just steadily been doing great work and now he's like Academy Award nominee Colin Farrell and it's going to be so my, weird because he's, he's basically the front runner except for Brendan Fraser. Yeah I mean I don't often get to like boast about this kind of thing but I did watch at the time that it came out uh, Colin Farrell's like debut movie which was Tigerland um, and I did immediately think like, wow, he's got something really special. And like, I can't claim that about a lot of people. I'm not saying like I always know, but like with him, I did actually watch his first movie. It was like this really small, you know, low budget um, war movie. And yeah, I, I, I remember just seeing Colin Farrell being so impressed. Like, you know, he's really got something kind of, you yeah. know, his charisma, his... He's just got that ma magnetic thing that you want from a movie star. Oh yeah, yes. he's got but, stark but, quality for sure. But his his reputation, obviously, outside of the his acting, you, you know, in terms of like things like drugs and sex and all of that, it's just like we've all it, we've been on a journey with that man. So some of us That's... really have been on a journey. We, and like we... his talk show appearances, where he talks about uh, trying to sleep with Dame Eileen Atkins and uh, Elizabeth Taylor and people like that. <laughs> um, He's great on a yeah. talk show. Really good value. Really okay, good value. Colin is great on a talk show. First of all, he's a Gemini, which means he doesn't stop talking. The way he like steamrolls <laughs> Brendan Gleeson in all of these interviews. And it's like, <laughs> Brendan will let him. Yeah. Um, Brendan's but... Brendan Gleeson sitting next to Colin Farrell chuckling is the best <laughs> thing that's happened in this award season. It's like, it I, I think I've, I think I've posted about 20 of them on my Instagram. I just can't get enough of those two. He, they love each other. It's they so They love beautiful. each other and they, and Colin's just like, bah, 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 bah. oh, I was talking to a horse. I was talking to a donkey. I was talking to a duck. I was and Brendan like, he, and he is like, <laughs> I just chuckled all over. It's the best. But he's really fun. Like if you look up Colin Farrell on Ellen, like mm. he like just charms. He is charming everyone. Like he's just fun. He's having a good time. He's happy to be there. He's like actually enjoying connecting with people. But yeah, he's great on a talk show. And I recently, I posted this on our Discord. I found a, a this was like on like Colin Farrell updates, Twitter or something. It was like a clip of him line dancing in an Irish country yes. bar. And um, he's like 18 years old. He's hot oh as shit. He is so <laughs> hot. Like it's inappropriate for me to say that about a teenager. 
<laughs> but he's just glows. He's got the charisma. You're like, yeah. that guy's going to be a star. Like, that mm. guy has it. And he still does. And it's aging like a fine wine. And we, we yeah. love to see it. <laughs> He's got that Oscar Isaac thing where he he's got like sexual chemistry with the furniture in a room, like you know he can just <laughs> just like charm charm the pants off off everyone and everything. Oh God! Now I'm flashing back to when Oscar Isaac sniffed Jessica Chastain's uh, armpit <laughs> oh. on the red carpet, and I my life was forever changed. <laughs> it's a man after my own heart. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's a okay. Big... What were we talking about? I, I never know. I never know. <laughs> Look where you took us. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, Fiona is like allowing me to like. She is very. No, just... I, 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 I encourage this kind of behavior <laughs> yes, all the time. Yes. <laughs> um, this is what we love. We always want to arrive in a place where we're talking about something that's inexplicably horny. <laughs> And then we go, why are we talking about this? And the answer is, this is Miami nice. This is what we do. Yeah. Fiona, thank you for your amazing insight. I think that that interconnections of the love and the breakup and the reuniting of those couples is so special. Thank you for bringing that to our show. And thank you for sticking the horniest landing that <laughs> is possible. Where Katie's oh, my, my about... legacy. I'm so proud. Yes. <laughs> you, you enabled Katie to say two like hall of fame clips on this show, which is one. I, I shouldn't be talking over 18 year olds. Colin and my life changed when Oscar smelled Jesse and Chess. That was one of the most erotic things I've it ever was. seen. Same, same. I mean, we've all seen that clip like three hundred thousand times. Anyway. <laughs> the total, the total clip count's going to go up after this drops. I think um, I put that on my dating app profile at the time. Oh. Like, I want someone to sniff my armpit. <laughs> Like Oscar Isaac. <laughs> See, these are the things you can't put weird internet stuff on 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 your dating profile. It's yes, just not. You can. <laughs> Why? I mean, sorry, you're gonna I'm, attract I'm, a, a weird bunch. <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah. Look, I'm not. I'm not. I, I passed that. I, I, I fortunately like got my wife and I got together just pre the uh, what is it like the omnipresence of dating apparatus such as that so i have no apparatus. clue i have no clue what it even means i just kind of like it's like it's like a video game to me i'm like what are you doing over there like putting stupid things yeah and uh and all, all i know is that too many men have photos with parrots um what is that an australian thing oh yeah, oh, yeah. in the states it's too many men have have photos with fish uh, yeah, no, yeah, they're like holding, holding a fish. A fish. Yeah. yeah, in 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 Australia, and I know this from my dear friend Maria Lewis. She's like, here's another guy with a fucking parrot. Like, there's a guy just like oh with a bird. I like, had no idea that was the Australian version. It's a wrinkle, yeah. And I'm like, what? And she's like, instant. Well, I don't know which way is good or bad. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I've, I've never left is bad. I left is bad. Okay, cool. So the left is like <laughs> parrot. Nope. Parrot. Nope. Parrot. Nope. <laughs> Um, so yeah, 
Very fun. That's hilarious. Wow, you learn something new every day. Look, <laughs> Fiona, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Um, thank you so much for supporting the show and just uh, getting around it and interacting with us. It's been so awesome. I'd love to see you in the kit. And, uh, and yeah, just thank you so much for having a talk to us on Miami Nice. It's been a real, real treat. So, uh, you know, anytime you want to come back, um, uh, especially about maybe a collateral confession next time. We'd love to chat to you again. We'll put it on the diary and we'll uh, we'll get you back in for a collateral chat. Collateral was so yeah. much. I think I think collateral is my favorite man, and that is saying a lot. Yeah, um, that's thanks, my favorite thanks. man. That's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much for having me on. It's been a, such fun. Oh. Yay! Thank you so much. You brought such a great <laughs> energy and and insight, and this was so fun. And. I- and we love having other girls on, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's a dude fest. <laughs> no, the, 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 this is the internet can be just like a, a complete sausage fest when it comes to this. And this is what I know, like great people like you or Roxana Haddadi or Katie or <laughs> Maria, my best friend, Maria Lewis. It's like we have a list of these great women, Jen Johans, who are out there. And it's like it's always fun to like bring the women who are the best at this too into the conversation even though and and make it feel like a safe space for you to admit that you are sexually <laughs> harassing an 18 year old or putting <laughs> clips of oscar isaac sniffing an underarm on your dating profile that's the, what we want to curate here this is a true a true confession a true confession ah <laughs> oh, this was so fun like such a 20th century movie it feels like something david lean would have done or tried to do uh when he still had that kind of currency and even then he might not have succeeded it's incredible because like if you if you don't have time to watch all five seasons of lost you can just watch fearless (laughs) not a week goes by that i don't think of the ending of gallipoli it's left a mark a year of living dangerously uh, you know, and then something like Last Wave, even that's so uh, deeply embedded with the land and the story of the land, the story of the place. You know, I don't know that I'd seen very many movies at that point in my life that had such a down ending and they had such a you know sort of strong sense of folklore uh, 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 attached to it as that. And something always so poetic and lyrical about Peter Weir's work. Gallipoli was the first movie that ever traumatized me, and I don't think I ever really recovered from it. (laughs) And I'm still upset that they played it in school. Like, I don't think it's actually possible to make an, they say it's not possible to make an anti-war movie, but I think Peter Weir pulled it off. Because no one watches that movie then thinks, I want to go to war. Uh, Peter Weir is the greatest director that Australia has ever produced. Like, bar none, hands down. Like, no one else is even in the room. I think you have covered some really titanic filmmakers and some really titanic films so far, but I I truly think what makes Peter Weir special and what makes you doing this one special is we don't talk about Peter Weir that way, and we should. Peter Weir is one of those guys who I don't get why he isn't a bigger name, why he isn't more in that rarefied air, yes. because I think film for film, he's one of our very best filmmakers. He has brought his A-game 
repeatedly to <laughs> many properties. There are films of his that I hold very dear. Fearless, uh, you know, uh, The Mosquito Coast. I will fight somebody if they talk bad about The Mosquito Coast. It's, man, I love that movie. But in general, I just think he is a special filmmaker, a smart, lyrical, um, hallucinatory filmmaker. He's a very dreamy filmmaker, and I don't think he gets his due. You know, Master and Commander is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, you know, easily one of the best movies of the last 20 years. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's a grand scale. There's a historical backdrop to it, but at the same time, there's such an intimacy in the relationships. Uh, which I think is not just a great film and one of the last great epics in the truest sense. Um, I, I think is actually kind of a sliding doors change point moment in, in cinema history. I think 2003, when that comes along and it is a, an old fashioned, you know, we don't make them like that anymore type film. I think if Master and Commander spawns a franchise at that point, the entire cinema landscape globally is completely different. That, that's the movie that I wanted to see 10 of those, you know? Uh, and, yeah, I know they're big fans of Fast and Furious and everything, and God bless you, but Master and Commander <laughs> should have been. It's one of those things, again, I I am not, uh, I'm not a seafaring man, sir. <laughs> but there is a sense of authenticity. There's a sense of really watching a, a genuine dedication to recreating history unfold on a big screen in front of you that can't help but inspire just genuine admiration and awe. If you're gonna pick a film where he really brings every one of his skills to the table, it's Master and Commander. I think you picked the right one, man. Yeah, very excited to see what you you pull, you pull out of this, Blake. That's right. Our next series is Peter Weir and Russell Crowe's Master and Commander. The series is called Podcaster and Commander. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.